Welcome to an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. I am your host, Lisa Ann. I want to extend my gratitude to you for making me a part of your listening experience. If you'd like to catch up on what you've missed, this podcast is available on all listening platforms. If you're a new listener, please subscribe, rate, and review. For those of you who like to watch the interviews, the video component, all of that is available for you on my YouTube channel, The Real Lisa Ann. And we've got a lot of catching up to do before we get into a really inspirational story that you're going to love. I have a guest today that I'll be sharing with you, but a lot has been going on. I have been on a travel tear. I have one more trip left in 2022, and then I get to be home where I will fill my fridge and make all of my own food and just be back in my routine of just being the comforts of routine. It's been fun. And I've been so grateful for the trips that I've taken. Switzerland was amazing. There's a variety of content on my YouTube channel, The Real Lisa Ann, where you can watch some of the clips from everything from Ecstasia, the show that I did in Exotica, to our travel days, to me paragliding in Interlaken, Switzerland. So, so much goodness has happened. It really kicked off with the Exotica in New Jersey. And then last weekend was Exotica, D.C. And I will say, I am so glad that I'm back out doing these shows, not just because I get to meet so many of my fans, but I really get to reconnect with so many people that I'm freshly meeting, new performers in the industry that I'm meeting through my podcast here, The Lisa Ann Experience, my other podcast, Dudes Do Better, and people that I've known for years that either I've lost touch with or kept in touch with. Always get to see Christy Canyon, who I've known since I was 18 years old and who is just fabulous. Love her so much. But this trip was really unique. It was my first time doing the DC Exotica. It was Exotica's second year having the show. Big shout out to Dan and Jay, who I've interviewed here on my podcast. They really put together a great show. Bringing on Brittany as an addition to the team with Steve and Rob and everybody that puts these shows together, they really think it through. And they think it through not just for like us to have such a great experience with each other as kind of like I like to call it porno summer camp where we all get to be in the same hotel and like eat together and just ride over in the shuttle together. But it's a great experience for the fans. And they have all these different conference rooms and panels where you can just learn more about different things and all of the product lines that are there. I'm always at the Bad Dragon booth, which is a big center booth that kind of has a variety of stars from yesterday and today. And this trip, I got to see Nikki Dial. I posted some photos on IG, on Twitter. Um, I hadn't seen Nikki Dial in probably 25 years, maybe more. It's been since the 90s. Um, she looks as beautiful as ever. She was one of my favorite starlets when I was a young girl, one teenager, 18, working at Al's Diamond Cabaret, aspiring to get into the industry. I met her when I was 19. And what I didn't realize was when I met her, she was only 18. But because she was a feature and she was up on that big stage, I just saw her in just this grandiose, just like, wow, that's Dickie Dial. And she was stunning and we got to reconnect. We exchanged numbers and now we get to build this, like, let's, you know, catch up on all the things that we've missed. And it was really great to see her. She was sitting 
right next to Christy Canyon and Ginger Lynn. It was just like, oh my gosh, what a what a scene from the era of the past of just the amazing stars that I got to meet all when I was still in Pennsylvania looking forward to getting out to California to get in the business. So that was great. Stormy was there and I got to be right next to Stormy Daniels and we got to chop it up in between, you know, taking photos with fans and catch up on all that we've been doing and her book and my book and just other books she wants to write. Great conversations with Stormy. Jenna Fox was next to me the first day with her friend Madison. And so, you know, I always have security with me and a lot of the girls are traveling on their own. So I try to buddy up and we were going to be leaving at the same time. I'm like, Hey, do you guys want to get dinner? We had found out there was an awesome restaurant next door to the hotel, which was awesome. We ate there two nights in a row. So I buddy up with them. And then Misha Montana, who I've had on Dudes Do Better, she, or to have her on Lisa Ann Experience, you're going to have to go back and watch them all and find out. She and I were texting in the following day on Saturday, hey, I'm in town, let's get together. The long and the short of it is, I go out to get the shuttle with my security, Justin. We stopped the shuttle because he was just pulling away. There's one person in the shuttle, it's Misha. I'm like, what are the chances that we were just texting 20 minutes ago and then we meet up in the shuttle. We go to the show together. We were planning on going to dinner together. And of course we got back to meet up for dinner. We get in the elevator. She's in the elevator. Like right when we were all getting ready to leave for dinner. Then it was me, Misha, Justin, Jenna Fox, Madison went to dinner. And then we all went to my event in DC, which was at the over under club, which is the rooftop above the cloakroom and it's a sports book. And it's so cool. Cause in the summer, the whole rooftop uh, comes off and all the doors, it's just beautiful up there. But like this bonding time that Exotica allows us to just get together and spend time and kind of me get to hear, you know, what everybody's working on, what their projects are, what their passions are. It reminds me so much of what it was like to be in the business in the 90s where we all just did our work, but then we all just got together with ourselves and hung out and spent time and buddied up because you want to be in a group, right? And I always worry about anyone who's traveling to these shows alone and 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 not knowing that there's a guy available that can walk them out or if they're concerned, they could reach out to somebody. And so this world just grows and it's really neat for me and especially me having this greater level of appreciation for the fact that I was so timid and apprehensive to go back to shows after all of the things that I went through. If you haven't yet read my second book, The Life Back, it's an easy read. It's a, it's a east to west coast flights, four or five hours. You're going to love it. I became a better writer since my first book, The Life. But if you read The Life Back, you're going to understand what I'm saying here. If you've already read it, you know how difficult it was for me to kind of show my face again and feel, how will I feel? How will people treat me? And it's been so refreshing and recharging. I gave everyone a copy of my book so they can read it and understand more about me and what I went through. And it's just been absolutely fabulous to feel present back in the world that I was in for so many years. And though I don't have any desire to shoot or get back in the business, I love the life that I'm living right now, but I love it even more visiting back in and having conversations with the people, the younger people in the industry today about what it's like on the other side, you know, other dreams, other careers they're hoping to pursue, kind of any obstacles. And I get all these great questions and I'm like, it is so important for me to be present 
and for everyone to see that my life is going so well and that there is life after porn and there are opportunities and people are kinder than you'd think and kind of breaking those barriers for me and kind of being that pace car is such an empowering feeling. And it's giving me a whole different purpose to going to the shows. I mean, yes, it's great. It's great to meet my fans and sign autographs and sell books. I sold a ton of books in person, take photos, have that moment where we either talk fantasy football or talk whatever. And that is just great. But that's something I've always been doing. So that's something that you expect. But this new just love that I'm feeling, these friendships that I've built. And even if we only see each other four times a year at these shows, Exotica takes place in Chicago, Miami, Jersey, and DC. That's a great time because you stay connected by text. You'll stay connected on social media. And I'm just really feeling that I'm in a great place of gratitude to have been brave enough to say, I'm going to let all that go and I'm going to go out there and see what it's like. And it's been awesome. I started the trip with a visit to one of my favorite sports shows. It's in DC, Sports Junkies. I've been in their studio before and I got to go in for an hour and do a show on Friday morning. Big shout out to Liquid Death for having a van of Liquid Death show up for me at the radio station. So not only did I have water to take back to my hotel, I had water for the station, all the different flavors. And I just thought that was so cool. And it was such a good look for me. And Liquid Death making me look pretty darn cool while keeping me incredibly hydrated. But when I went into the station, uh, I did my spot on the shit. We just talked about all kinds of things. I found out that one of the hosts, JP, as you would know him in the DC area, wrote a book called Still Barking. I'm holding it up right now if you're listening, but when you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see it. So as soon as he told me about this book, because he had done a read right before I came on, I'm like, oh, you wrote a book. I had brought them in copies of my new book, The Life Back. He's like, yeah, I'm doing an appearance for it next week. Let me read this to you. Still Barking is what it's called. Friendship, Brotherhood, and 25 years of sports junkies. These guys have been doing this show for 25 years, and they were friends before the show even started. So this is going to be my holiday read. I will definitely make sure I review it for you. It's called Still Barking. I ordered it by now right in front of him. He's like, I'll give you a copy. I'm like, no, I'm an author. I want to support your book. I want to read your book. Because there's a vibe with that radio show, and I want to know how this has all, like, how they started 25 years ago and that they are so loved in that city that when I went into the, to my first night at Exotica, like every conversation was like, Oh my gosh, your spot was so good. Stay on the junkies. I made a new friend in Ryan. He's the new AWOD. If everybody will know if you're in the DC area, Ryan was my guest at my after party at the over under club, uh, in DC on Saturday night. So like, these are just magical people that when I go into their studio, it just feels so comfortable. And that's why 25 years of doing a show together in the same world is just, it's just amazing. So I'll be reading that over the holidays. I plan to take one day during the Christmas break 
where I do no work and I just read and relax and really recharge, no screens, just a nice little break. So I'll probably do this one as a cover to cover read because I like them so much and I thank them for having me on. It was such a great spot and I love it. I loved everything about this past weekend. I have one more trip that's going to be to St. Louis where I will be live in studio with TMA STL on Thursday the 8th, this coming Thursday. I'll be doing all three hours. We're doing an event that same night and we're going to celebrate our friend, our late friend, Jay Randolph Jr. We're going to do a celebration of life and I'm hoping that everybody can get up and tell a Jay story and feel the love. So we are just sending him off with so much love since he passed last month. But great trip. One more trip to go, one more suitcase to pack. It's a quick carry on. I'm not worried about it. But in between all of that, I've been scheduling my Christmas dinners with friends in the city, going to see Rockettes with Justin. It's our tradition and all the things I've got going on. And last night at my house, right here in my apartment, I had a wine tasting. So I'm mapping out 2023. And I want to add some new things into my world in 2023. And one of the things I really want to get more involved in is the wine world. I love wine. And I want to learn more about wine and grapes and grapes from different regions. And so this wine tasting was from a vineyard in Sicily that I got connected with through a friend of mine here in New York. And we tasted all of the wines. And I chose the two that were the the, the body and everything that I love. The grapes are are um, from Sicily. That's just a region of Sicily. They're, they're not grapes that you would get in Napa, not grapes that you would get anywhere else. So I'm learning all about it. Now I get something else new to study. And then I'm thinking, we're thinking hopefully by spring, uh, I'll have my first two bottles out. So I think adding something new into my world always excites me. It gives me something to learn about, something to travel for. Of course, Kay and I will be going to Sicily and shooting some stuff for YouTube at the vineyards. Oh, it's going to be so amazing. It'll give me an excuse to go over, go to Italy more, be back and forth. I spoke with Tara Patrick about it this morning. We did our Skype call. We were on for an hour and a half, just chopping it up because we're both going to be signing. Hopefully, Tara is going to be able to make it to AVN. I will be at AVN this year signing at the Elevated X booth, my first AVN in many, many, many years. And I'm really looking forward to it. So adding new things into my world that I'll be able to talk with all of you about, giving myself something new to learn about, a new book to read over the holiday, and coming off the high of an incredible trip connecting with so many of the wonderful humans that I know from the industry and meeting all of my fans at Exotica. So if those of you Anyone that's listening came to see me. I want to say thank you to you. If there's an exotica that pops up near you, go. It is fun. It is fun to meet people the very first time. And I ask them all these questions like, so how are you liking the show? And they're like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. And the people watching is amazing. And there's so much to do and look at and see and so many people to talk to. It's a lot of fun and it'll help you expand your mind a little bit. Just walk around and fall into the moment. And you're going to fall into the moment when you learn something new. Ultra Farm RX. Ever feel like your performance just doesn't measure up? Does worrying about it make it worse? Let me let you in on a little secret. Many men use Viagra and Cialis not just to treat ED, but to boost their performance and last longer. Whether you're in front of the camera or behind closed doors, every man can use a little help to last longer. It's never been simpler to get what you need. 
At ultrafarmrx.com, you can get doctor-trusted treatments 100% confidential online from your phone. No awkward doctor visits. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. Discreet and confidential. Guaranteed. Better performance is just a few clicks away at ultrafarmrx.com. Today's guest is an inspirational story. I loved the conversation. I know you're going to too. You're going to follow on IG at I am Mira Miranda on Twitter at Premium of Babe and TikTok. Mia Miranda, superstar. You guessed it. I've got Mira Miranda today. We get to have another amazing conversation, and this is a truly remarkable story, something that we all need to remember that sometimes life doesn't seem great, but if you wait to get to the other side, things really can work out. That is today's guest, Mira Miranda, who you can follow on IG at I am dot Mira Miranda, and on Twitter at Premium of Babe, and I will make sure I put these under the YouTube for everyone. Mira, it is so nice to meet you. How are you today? Hey, I am. I'm doing amazing. Honestly, very excited to be here, and uh, yeah, excited to just share more of my story. Let's start from the jump. How old are you, Maria? I am 26. 26 years old. You're currently in Vancouver, and I'm assuming that's where you're from. I'm actually originally from Toronto. I moved here about seven years ago, and I just love the West Coast. Like I can see the ocean from my my room right now, and uh, it just doesn't get better than that. And you also have some of the best skiing. Are you a skier? I snowboard, actually. I'm terrible at skiing, but I love, love snowboarding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you have great slopes up there. So let's oh, dig yeah. right into it. You're currently a model. You have an OnlyFans page that's very successful. You're also a musician. But what brought you to here is the dynamic part of your story. So Mira, share with my guests kind of this transition that you went to that brought you to here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I have been a, uh, a featured dancer in Vancouver for the last seven, six, six and a half, seven years. Um, but what really brought me to like putting myself out there in the world was actually a really terrible car accident that left me with a brain injury that I've been healing in the last two years. And it left me almost completely immobile, actually. It was a really, really tough time to go through. And not only was it a car accident, it was also during a pandemic where we had a lot of sex workers had lost their jobs. Uh, we're all struggling, you know, to make ends meet. And then I find myself in this accident where I can't even move or work or do anything that I was doing previously to try to like, you know, make ends meet essentially. Um, and the, the recovery process was really intense. I'm sure we can kind of like dive into that a little bit more, but essentially through that journey, I was fighting so hard to get back to, a normal life. And in my mind, I'm just like, well, is this even a life I really want to get back to? Like why I'm fighting so hard to get back to, you know, reality, nor whatever normal, <laughs> normal life is. Um, but do I even really like what that life was, you know? And it made me realize, okay, well, if I'm going to fight so hard to get back to this, it's got to be a life that I'm obsessed with. So I just decided, okay, what does that even look like to me? And I had lots of time to be like, 
sitting in my bed and you know daydreaming. That was pretty much all I could do. I couldn't really look at screens or computers, uh, my phone, nothing really. So it just was like me inside my brain. And I went back to uh, like my childhood and I was like, what have I always loved? What do I always fantasize about? And it's me like singing on stage and performing and, you know, traveling the world and getting to share my my music, my message with the world. And I'm like, okay, that's what I got to do. Like, that's the life I want to create and and fight to get back to. So obviously at the time I couldn't really do anything because I was just, you know, in bed. So I started just with like really small things. I uh, got my journal back and I was just writing poetry and like lyrics and just anything that was coming to my mind. At the time it was very dark because, you know, I was like going through a really bad depression. Um, But looking back on those things, it's like, it's kind of amazing to see like what I was able to create in this kind of debilitated state. And then I just started like humming and, you know, like just making up little tunes kind of in my head and stuff like that. And slowly but surely getting better. And, uh, and then I was able to, put out my first uh, single in the spring, which was just an incredible process. It was so great to get to work with um, my producer and the recording uh, in the recording studio and like the music teacher that I worked with as well. And it was just like, this is a dream come true. Like it was so amazing. So yeah, it just feels amazing to be here and feel a great, be on a screen and be able to look at it. And yeah. <laughs> You know, it's fascinating how our minds work, that you can go through something so dark and when you're in it, it is really heavy. And when you get to the other side, and that's the expression I use because I've gone through experiences that were consuming of time, like what you went through, where it's not like a month, you know, it's a year, it's two years. And when you get to the other side, you almost forget we naturally forget how bad it was. We're reminded, you can look back on it. Like I know for me, if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, well, remember, at least it's not that. Like I use that a lot as like my balance scale of like, but it's fascinating as humans. If you let things go, which you did, if you have the motivation and the inspiration in your heart to want to have that drive and you actually were more stuck than most people because most people would be like binge watching Netflix, uh, would be Googling things or watching things on YouTube and you weren't able to. So take me back to those two years. Who took care of you? Mm-hmm. Do you take care of yourself or your family? So I was living uh, alone for the first part of it. And then I had, I was in a long distance relationship at the time and he moved back in um, about a month into my recovery. So he was definitely there. He was a really big help, you know, just like taking care of chores and like daily activities and things like that. Um, But for the most part, and then he was going to school as well. So he was, you know, kind of busy. So I did a lot of it myself. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a struggle for sure. So I'm, I've always been quite independent, so I have kind of a hard time like asking for help as well. So I definitely did a lot of the recovery myself, I would say. And, uh, luckily the, cause not, not, neither of us had cars. Right. And a lot of the appointments were, um, I had to travel to them to like the therapist and stuff like that. So it was just like a lot of Uber rides <laughs> essentially. Um, I did have my family help me a little bit because I wasn't able to work at all. Like I was working online on a screen for a couple months at the time. Um, but with a brain injury, when you're triggering the symptoms a lot, like the, the worst symptom is like you're vomiting, you're nauseous all the time. So I was like literally going, like logging on to go to my work and then just like logging off, going to like throw up in the bathroom and then trying to come back. 
And my focus, my attention span was just terrible. Like I couldn't focus on the job I was doing. It was pretty mundane. It was just like um, order processing and things like that. And so my like uh, my productivity was going down and I'm like, what's going on? Like, why am I you know, going like this? Because actually I didn't get diagnosed with the concussion until a few months after the accident, which wow. was the craziest part. I would say that couple of months was, I genuinely thought I was going crazy. Like I was, I had no idea what was going on um, at the time. So I had the accident and people usually say like, oh, if you get a concussion, it means you passed out or something like that. And I didn't that's pass not out. Always, that's not always the case. No. I mean, I'm a big sports fan. I can vouch for the fact that when yeah. they put players through NFL protocol, many of them are standing on the side of the field like, hey, I want to go back in, but they don't pass protocol. Mm -hmm. So for you, it, took, it takes a couple of months, which really must have been difficult. And when they realized how severe was your concussion that you were kind of set back for this long? It was awful. I mean, I had, uh, so after the accident, I basically just took a month off of like everything. I just kind of went into like a, I don't know, um, comatose state in a way. And I just tried to like get really uh, quiet. I'd never, I went on zero social media, no phones, like no laptop, no screens, anything like that. Just cause at the time it was bothering me and I didn't really know why. Right. Um, and then I slowly started to integrate it a little bit back because I was doing like an online business at the time. So I was like, okay, like let's try to get a little bit here and there. And then I got this uh, online job as well. So I'm just trying to, you know, like slowly rebuild my life and things like that. But my symptoms are just getting worse and worse. I'm having like neck and back pain. I'm constantly dizzy and nauseous and headaches. Um, sure. Those are all the signs of a severe concussion. Yeah. And, and just like couldn't focus anything like that. But I had also started a program. Um, it's like a somatic coaching uh, therapy program. So you're doing a lot of like breath work and all this kind of meditation. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going through a transformation in my life. This is my body purging all this energy. This is why I feel insane all the time. So I kind of just thought that was what was happening. And I've had digestive issues like in the past in my life. So I'm like, oh, I guess those are just coming back up again. That's why I'm nauseous all the time. That's why I'm vomiting all the time. And then I finally, I'd been going to a chiropractor and like physiotherapy and all that. And then I, it was like four months I had been going to them. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not getting any better. So I went back to the chiropractor and it was a new guy. And he's like, okay, you've been coming in here for neck pain for like four or five months now. Like this is, it should be getting better by now. Like clearly there's something else wrong. So he started asking me about concussion symptoms. Like, do you have light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, nausea? I'm like, literally every yes, single yes, 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 yes. And this <laughs> is the importance of a second opinion. You just mm -hmm. by happenstance got a second opinion because there was a different person there. Yeah. But, you know, I had a friend who was being treated for something for about six months until someone else came into the picture and said, you know, have you been tested yet for Lyme disease? And then they found out that's what she had. She had Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, how that other person who may just be more well-versed in a different medical symptoms category, may have just worked on a page. It's all, you know, a doctor is a human being. Yes, they went to school and they read all these books, but it's kind of what they've been recently, you know, exposed to and what they're most led towards. And the fact that one person was able to define this where you could have gone for another six months is it's just so fascinating how these things work. And you were very fortunate to be able to continue to go back because a lot of people would have given up after two, three months, just like, oh, I'm just going to deal with this. You continue to go back, you meet him, and you're like, ding, 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 ding. These are all of the things. So then you probably had to go to an MRI, right? Yeah, yeah. So then I was um, actually just to talk about him for a second, because his name is Durrell, and I am just 
beyond grateful for him. I could not thank him enough. He actually was a chiropractor for the uh, Team Canada. I can't remember exactly which sport, but one of the Team Canada teams, maybe even just like the whole team. Oh, this makes perfect sense then. Sports. Exactly. So he was in sports. He had already been in it. He had also had a concussion, a really bad one that hadn't got properly diagnosed. So he was like right in it. And I'm like, I, I have just so much gratitude for this man. And he just knew all the little things to kind of help me. There was like little like um, things to kind of help with your balance and stuff like that. And talking a lot about my heart rate, I'm sitting there just like having a normal conversation. My heart rate's like at a hundred. He's like, this is like, you see what the problem is here. And I'm like, I had no idea. And the first thing he said, just put a pair of sunglasses on. And doing that tiny little thing just brought my symptoms down. I mean, not like a lot, but like a little bit that made a difference to be like, oh no, this is, you're right. Like, this is what's going on for me. Um, just cutting out a little bit of that light sensitivity right away was like amazing. And then I yeah went to the hospital and I got, um, I got a CT scan and an MRI and they were like, yep, you're extremely concussed. It was just like confirmation essentially. And then I had my doctor refer me to a concussion clinic and that was when like the real treatment started. And I had about like six therapists I was seeing, like there was vestibular therapy, there was vision therapy, wow. there was an actual counselor, which was really great. I had still physiotherapy. I was doing biofeedback. I got, um, I saw a neurologist. I would get like Botox shots in my brain to help bring yep. the pain down. Yep, I've had about yep. five rounds of that and uh, it's helped enormously. And I'm just like, it, it's just crazy to think about it. Um, like how much pain I was in and how like incapable I was of doing literally anything at all. Cause I'm an extremely ambitious person. Like my entire life, I have always been like top of my game, like on a roll in school, like just always going for everything. And then to be like, you can't do anything at all. It was, it was just devastating at the time. So yeah. And also I can imagine from this accident at this point, your body is completely healed from everything. You have no broken bones, no, you know, you're, you're, and here you are just stuck, right? Like mm -hmm. the fact that you were so impaired had to be incredibly frustrating because you knew that your limbs felt fine and that you should be able to, but wow. And this journey you've been on has been two full years. And mm -hmm. during this time, you were able to not only pinpoint what needed to be taken care of, but also focus on your career path for your future. Yeah. I mean, it was a slow journey at first because I got diagnosed in May and then we had like the worst heat wave we have ever had in Vancouver here in the West Coast. And that was probably the worst period of my life, I would say ever, because it was so hot. I had an AC unit but it really didn't do that much because my apartment was fully windowed and we were southwest facing. So we would get sun all day long. It was just blisteringly hot. And I basically was just lying in bed with like cold towels, cold, wet towels all over my body, like sitting in front of the AC. And that was the only way I was able to just, you know, manage the symptoms, essentially. So I didn't get really to start doing any of the you know imagining until maybe about the fall of 2021. Um, yeah, it was it was very it was very difficult. And then my landlords were like, "Hey, by the way, we're selling your apartment, so you got to move." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh god, this is terrible." And then the partner that I was staying with at the time, him and I also broke up at the time, so it was like, "Okay, now I'm on my own and now I don't have anywhere to go and now I'm just floating around." Um, I luckily had some really great friends that were able to take me in because I wasn't able to really work. I'm like, I don't yes. have any money. I don't have any savings. Like COVID took all of that for me to you know, make it through the first year. And uh, yeah, I was pretty much down and out. So um, I had, yeah. Well, like I, I will say 
you know, this would have been an even worse situation if you were in the United States because oh, all of these payments <laughs> would have put you in debt hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yeah. so there's 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 a small silver lining, right? Mm -hmm. But the big picture here is you were in a situation that was dark and you allowed yourself to find the light. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your new release and that you finally got your music out there. Yes, I'm so excited. It started around the winter time when I started to really work on the song, which is called Pussy. And it's a celebration of women. And that is like, that is my why in this world is like, when I'm having a terrible day, it's like, you know what, there are women out there who are going through just the worst of the worst that are, you know, have hopes and dreams in their heart and just want to put it out there into the world. And I just think about that. I think about the young girls out there who, you know, have dreams and want to become something but feel like the world is against them. And it's like, that's why I wake up and that's why I do what I do, because I just want to help inspire people to show them, like, you can do anything. Like, this world seems impossible, but it is so not impossible. It's very difficult, but it's not impossible. And, uh, yeah, so the, the song is all about celebration, especially around um, our pussies, because I feel like society you know prizes like a certain look especially in pornography it's like you gotta look this certain way and it's like no like everyone is beautiful every iteration is divine and i just wanted to celebrate that with a with a song so yeah that was my first inspiration essentially <laughs> i love it and so you've released this where can everyone find your music yeah, it's on uh, all major streaming platforms. I plug my Spotify one the most. I'm I try to like build up the stats on that one. I would sure. say, um, but yeah, on Spotify, just search Mia Miranda, and uh, it's pussy with two dollar signs as the S, just for like smart. You know, <laughs> for social media, I know that stuff like that can be tricky. So try to yeah, that, that can be a trigger, but you knew how to work around it. Now, are you planning more songs from the poetry that you wrote while yes. you were dealing with your recovery? Absolutely. I'm working on my album right now. Um, it has been a bit of a work in progress just because when the summer came around this year, all my symptoms kind of peaked back up again and it was really, really difficult to do anything at all. Um, but I've been practicing my piano every single day and just like working on the, the lyrics and the like sounds, stuff like that. So I'm just like taking my time. And the thing I've told myself is like, there's no rush. Like I want this to be perfect as perfect as perfect can be, but I want it to be done right. And I just don't want to rush it. In my previous, like growing up, I would always try to do everything really, really fast and just try to get it out there. And it's like, no, this needs to be done right. I want to take my time. I want to enjoy the process of it. Um, I love the process of it. It's just so juicy to get to sit down and like go into your mind and, and your body and feel out all of the, the emotions and then like put them on a page and then try to translate that to music. Like, I just love the process of it. So I'm hoping for sometime next year, like maybe in the spring for sure. Um, but I don't want to put any like dates out there because like I said, I just really am enjoying like taking my time with it and going really slow. And um, I mean, I kind of have to at this time too, because I just don't want to like trigger any burnout or any weird symptoms or anything like that from like being on screens and stuff. So yeah. Well, I'm sure that your, you know, your health situation taught you a lot about patience, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> and because when we're younger, it's so true. We want to make every decision on a whim. We don't want to overthink it. And then you get a little bit older or you go through something that makes you patient earlier in life than some people. And when that hits you, you're like, you know, I want to enjoy this. Why do I want to rush it? Because you think about all the things you rushed in the past that you probably could have savored for a little bit longer mm -hmm. and enjoyed a bit longer. 
so here you are, you still do have setbacks. So heat is something that can be a setback for you. What other setbacks do you, is, will this concussion be something that bothers you for the rest of your life? I am hoping not. All of my therapists have said that it does, it does get better. Um, I do have what's called PCS, persistent concussion syndrome. So like usually a concussion will only last like maybe a month or so, but I have had symptoms for two years. Uh, heat is a huge one. Being on a screen for too long, like I'd say after like an hour and a bit, I still get like a little bit of uh, dizziness. And then any like crazy, like concerts are really tough to go to. Like I try, I, I love yeah. live music. I'm obsessed with live music, obviously. Uh, but it's really show. difficult. So I always have yeah. to wear, I have like these certain glasses that I wear that have like a, a lens that helps with light um, and like earplugs that I'll wear as well. But even just the other day I was at a concert and I was like, this is too much. Like we were standing pretty close and I'm like, I have to go sit down. I went and sat down for a little bit and just, you know, did some deep breathing, did some tapping, stuff like that, and just kind of brought my symptoms down. Um, but yeah, it's it's just kind of any kind of like activity, really. Like even sometimes sure. being in a car for too long. Overstimulation. Exactly. It's overstimulation. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. something I've read about people who have had severe concussions is there's an overstimulation that can re-trigger something where you could have been feeling fine all day. And those are things that you love to do. And even mm -hmm. when it comes to like feature dancing, it would even be tough to go back to that, right? Because the clubs yeah. are loud. There's so much going on and the lights it was really difficult to go back to work. I'm grateful I had this one venue that I've worked at for a long time and the stage is quite small. Um, so there's not like a lot of movement you have to do. And I know a lot of the people there. So it was just really easy to kind of go there, take it slow. I was able to tell them like, hey, like, you know, don't do the strobe lights on me right now or like the smoke or anything like that. Uh, but there's a few other venues where I was like, I just can't work there. Like I would love to work. At, there's this new one by the airport right now. And I'm like, I would love to work there, but I know it's an extremely chaotic environment. There's no like place to go and rest, uh, like the change room. Everyone's in the same change room and stuff like that. I'm actually, I am now, I feel strong enough to go work there. So I have my first booking there this weekend, which I'm pretty excited about because this is crazy like Vegas style. They have like aerial dancers in the in the air. It's like two levels. It's, it's pretty amazing. So I'm like, I really hope everything goes well. Uh, I feel like, okay, because it's, you know, going into the winter time now. So my symptoms are definitely like decreased a lot. I feel like the strongest I have in two years. So I'm like, all right, I feel like I want to try something new. I'm still a little bit nervous, but I feel like it will be okay. I'll, I, I find ways to kind of manage. Um, and the best thing I can do is when I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed, is just like take that beat, take a break, uh, go find a quiet room, just do some breathing, just do some like tapping like on my knees or something like that. And uh, in about 10 minutes or so, like the dizziness usually will kind of subside. Uh, but yeah, it's a constant battle. It's it's constantly like you're fighting between wanting to live your life normally. And I was like super active, always outgoing, doing lots of things. And now it's like, okay, I can do like half of that now. So it's like finding that balance between um, symptoms and life essentially. Well, I got to say, you have an incredibly optimistic attitude and that's helped you a lot. But the fact that you know how to reel it in is something that even people who haven't been through something like you have could use, right? Mm -hmm. Breathing techniques and tapping and all of these little things, like when you're feeling yourself getting elevated, for some people, it's just like anger issues or patience issues. You can see people like spinning out of control when you're waiting in line somewhere. And it's like, come on, if this is the worst thing, I was just... 
in Huntington Beach for a charity walk. And I was taking the bike path and I used to live in Huntington. That's why I do the walk there. And I was walking and they've divided the paths since I've lived there. What I didn't realize was there's a bike path now and a walking path, but it's eight o'clock in the morning and no one's on either path. And I'm just walking. And this guy comes up on his bike and he completely cusses me out because I'm walking on the bike path. And I told him to have a good day and I apologized profusely. And as he rode his bike off, I thought, okay, this guy is riding his bike at one of the most beautiful places on the beach. And he is this angry at eight o'clock in the morning. I'm so certain this guy could learn to use some breathing exercises, right? You know, just like what? But those are the moments where you're like, man, you need help. You mm-hmm. need to learn how to chill. Nothing mm-hmm. is that thing. And I think you probably have a totally different perspective and value for life than you did, let's say, three years ago before this mm-hmm. accident even happened. Oh, 100%. And honestly, I credit a lot of this. I had an occupational therapist. Um, and actually, I'll just say, because we were talking about costs and stuff like that, my insurance company for my uh, car insurance, they had covered all of my therapies. So very, very, very lucky about that. So I had a lot of different therapies, but one of them was occupational therapy, which I was so grateful for. And I've heard that like occupational therapists are kind of like the original life coaches, essentially. So they just sit down with you and they, it's like the missing link between everything. You know, you have the vestibular for like the dizziness and the counseling for like emotional stuff, um, physio for like your body. But then this is like the link between everything. Like, okay, are you taking your supplements on a consistent time? Like, are you sleeping in a consistent way? Um, you know, like how are you managing all of the appointments and things like that? So she was able to just really help sit me down. We created like routines and we would put reminders in my phone and we would just create all these little like strategies and systems to help me just manage everything a lot better. And the number one thing she would always say is pacing and taking breaks. And she would have to drill that into my head all the time though, because I had a really hard time like getting used to that. But now it almost becomes second nature to me. It's like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit too much to take a break. Like it's just an automatic thing now that I know. And it took me a really long time to figure that out and to like make that an automatic uh, thought essentially. Cause it's so not automatic in this world. Like we're like, oh, I'm feeling not so great. Just keep going, just keep going. Like I'd always do that. Even when I was a kid, I just, just keep going. Just, you'll figure it out. Like get to the end and you'll figure it out. And now it's like, no, 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 just take a break. Just take five minutes, literally just five minutes, sit down. I'll like close my eyes. If I can lay down, that's even better. And just do like five minutes of deep breathing or, or like slow breathing or something like that. Like it's really, really simple, but it makes the biggest difference. And then you can actually go even further, you know? So it's, it's really changed everything. And I definitely did not grow up with that mentality. Like both my parents are entrepreneurs. So we're really used to just like pushing it all the time. So yeah, but I'm so grateful for those lessons for sure. And isn't it amazing? Like when you really need people and you're in this situation, your occupational therapist, like you really realize like, these people do amazing work. Like we are so fortunate to connect with them because this person changed your life. You're going to do this forever. Even when you're feeling 100% better, you'll still have moments through the day where you realize "Mm, I should take a break for five minutes. I should regroup, you know, however it is that you word it, however you put it, it becomes, you can be more productive without exhausting yourself and pushing yourself to every limit Mm -hmm. by just pacing yourself better. I always think of cadence because I used to teach spin class. And so to me, it's like cadence. Like I know there's times where it's like, okay, just make a cup of coffee and sit down and drink it. 
and don't do anything else. Like don't drink it at your computer. Don't touch your phone. Just, just clear your mind and do a little, and it's just something so simple, Mm -hmm. but it elongates your day in a more positive way. So for you, what's next? Uh, Where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself being able to go out on tour with your music? Absolutely. That is what I am building up to. I know at my current capacity, I don't have that just yet because I know I still I have like about a day's worth of like energy and then I really need to like take a, a another day or something like that. And I feel like on tour, you're you're just going and there's not really yeah. a lot of breaks and stuff. So I, I would say that would probably be in another year. Um, and once I've gotten the album out, I also would love to just perform it live in different venues, like kind of locally, essentially. That would be my next goal. Um, but I'm just like, yeah, taking it day by day, I feel like really excited to go back to like just taking more classes, just getting to sharpen my saw a little bit more, um, going into the recording studio again and just continuing to create and experiment like that has been really fun. Cause I feel like I have about, I don't know, maybe 50 songs that I've written. So it's like, okay, which ones are going to be the ones that, that really yeah. make it through. And there's like this whole editing process that, Uh, goes on behind the scenes which I just I just love it because I feel like my brain is wired to make music like it just pours out of me constantly all the time I'm always writing lyrics I'm even just journaling about my day I'm like today and then I just start writing lyrics for whatever it is I'm like I can't stop it it just comes out of me all the time and even when I'm like practicing piano and I'm practicing like a song like a like an already made song I'll just start riffing and doing my own thing like it just it just happens so naturally so it's just kind of becoming a process of like, all right, now what of that is going to make it through to the to the album and what's going to become concrete? What's going to be that message that's, you know, the most important to be putting out there? Because some of those songs are kind of silly. Like I sing to my dog all the time and stuff <laughs> like that. So it's like, okay, maybe not those ones. But but you know what? Those songs that if they don't make the cut, those songs are great for TikTok. They're great yes. for reels. They're great for social media. How old were you when you started playing the piano, Mira? Um, I was pretty young. I would say maybe like seven, six or seven. Wow. Yeah. Who got you playing? Yeah. Uh, my mom. My mom had a grand, uh, not a, the stand-up piano. She had one yeah. from her family. It was like really, really old. Uh, from her, I think her grandpa or grandma had it or something like that. And so, yeah, it was always in her house and I'd just always be messing around on it. And then I started taking lessons. And as a kid, I didn't like take it as seriously as I do now, but I just have had that, like, um, I remember getting back into it just like about five years ago or so. Cause I was, when I moved to Vancouver, I was kind of like, I was in a business mentality. I had like a startup business and like healthy living and had just finished business school and stuff like that. So I was like so off of my artistic journey. Um, but I would, whenever I would be driving and listening to music, I'd be like tapping my fingers like all the time kind of in beat. And I was like, oh yeah, like I should take a piano class again. And I did it and I just started, I was like, oh my God, I remember this everything. I remember how much I love this. And so I just like got my own keyboard and I've just been going since then. And yeah, I just I just love it. I feel like I can completely get lost in just practicing and learning new songs. And I love that when you like have a new song and you're like, oh, this is so hard. I can't get this. And then like a couple hours later, like, oh, my God, I have this now. And it's like it's the best feeling in the world. I just love that. <laughs> you are an exceptional little human, Mira Miranda. <laughs> I am so impressed with you and, you know, the fact that you've gone through something that, that just kind of puts your entire life on hold. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you managed it. You stayed diligent about your appointments and about your care and that you still know to this day that this isn't an instant fix. But your outlook and your energy and your positive vibe is so beautiful that there's no doubt in my mind you'll be incredibly heard and seen and successful because that is so contagious. And to share your story with other people that have had a setback, that don't know how to see past that setback, it's so important. And I just know that the world's going to love you and adore you. And I can't wait to hear your music myself. I am going to go listen to your song, Pussy, on Spotify myself. (laughs) I will do that for sure. And we will stay connected. This was a beautiful conversation. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you so much. It was such an honor to be able to share my story. And if I could leave the audience with one thing, um, our society really prioritizes accomplishment and doing things in action. But one of the best things you can do when you're going through a hard time is resting. Resting is so productive. And I hope everyone can, uh, you know, just take a break and take a beat for themselves because it really can help you go that much further. That is a great message. And it's so real. I love that because you don't realize people feel guilty. We, we lay down for a moment to take a break and you feel some semblance of guilt. I should be doing something, but mm-hmm. you are doing something by resting. You're letting your body heal. And that's the key in everything. So to you, I cannot wait to see more of you, Mira Miranda. You are a doll. Congratulations to you and be well. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. That was such a great conversation. And what an amazing story. I know I've already listened to this song. I've already started to follow her music on Spotify. Mira was just inspiring to go through something that is a setback where we struggle and we wonder when it's going to end. And to be able to say, I'm still, and I'm going to think about how I can love life even more when I get to the other side of this is remarkable and powerful. It's such a young person to have the foresight to say like, this is going to get better. And when it does, I'm going to live my absolute best life. And not a saying on Instagram, I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to do music. And this is what I'm going to do. I really enjoyed that conversation with Mira Miranda. I hope that you give her a follow on Instagram. It is I am Mira Miranda again on Twitter. It's Premium of Babe and on TikTok, Mira Miranda Superstar. Mira, thank you so much for being you and joining us today. When you watch the YouTube videos of my podcast, I always make sure to put all the places where you can follow my guests right in the bio part uh, underneath the video component on YouTube. So check that out. It's a great way to thank people for sharing their story and their time. You can share your time in the best way with your friends at events or games. That's what Ticket Rev is all about. You can name your price and pick your sweat section. If tickets become available, you are contacted immediately. If you're a seller, you have season tickets. You're unable to make it to all of the games. You're able to offer up your tickets at Ticket Rev as well. The full story was three, two or three weeks ago. I had Jason Shatsky the founder of Ticket Rev, right here on the Lisa Ann Experience, talking how he came up with this concept, how we met back in 2013 at a sneaker convention, and what he's doing now. And Jason and I are going to a Knicks game this coming Sunday. Floor seats, I cannot wait. I'm already planning outfits. I'm super excited. But the fact that we're going to get to chill too, we're going to go there early, we're going to sit in the lounge, we're going to have food together and get to, get to really connect before the holidays. This face-to-face time, there's nothing more valuable. 
We've allowed the internet to consume so much of our interactions, but it's so important to have experiences. I choose experiences over gifts. My friends and I do not do gifts for the holidays. We make plans to go to dinner. We make plans to go to a show. We make plans to go to a game. This is a great way for you to get out and connect with the ones you love. So go to Ticket rev.com and find out where, what cities, where you can go, what events, what shows, and look at how it works. I think it's pretty darn awesome and incredibly clever. Now it is time for the moment you've all been waiting for. I think you're also waiting for knowing, what if I told you that you can get Viagra and Cialis generics for as low as $2. That's what that ad was for at the beginning of this episode. Go to ultrafarmrx.com today and learn more about the things that you need. The mailbag is here. That is asklisaann at gmail.com. Let's get to it. I'm at a little standstill right now with questions. I could use some good emails. I managed to patchwork this one together, but I want to know what you want to know about me. Let's see what we have here for this week. You can get involved. AskLisaAnn at gmail.com. This one is subject matter. Lisa, you are one of my favorites. My name is Attila and I'm living in Florida. How are you? Can you tell me what is the best way to get in porn as a male actor? Is it worth it or is it too much pressure to go out in public after you're famous? I hope you're doing good. You did great porn. I have lots of favorite porn lady and you are one of them. Oh, lady always makes me feel old. You know, I think for the guys, uh, they're not as recognized as we are. So I don't think it's as difficult for them to be out. But when it comes to this, you have to weigh out a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life. Again, I don't think it affects guys as much as it does the ladies, but it does have an impact on your family and friends. It does have an impact in just the way you're viewed in society. And you have to look at the money factor as well. Men don't make as good of money as women. But if this is a dream that you're chasing, the best thing for any guy that wants to get into the business to do is Google search all of the agencies in the industry, they're based somewhere in Miami, somewhere in LA, somewhere in Vegas, doesn't really matter. You're going to upload your photos virtually and start connecting through there. Going to Exoticas is a great way for you to meet people in the industry. So since you are in Florida, you might want to go to the Miami Exotica and do some networking there. But I recommend you find an agent because guys do need an agent because girls, the, the women in the industry want to know that the men are vetted, uh, that they've gone through an agency. So they'll walk you through everything you need from there. Okay, we've got one from Poland. Hello, Lisa. My name is Jarek. I'm writing you from Poland. I apologize for my English if I write something you don't understand, but I don't know English and I'm writing this with the help of a translator. I am your big fan. You are my favorite actress and star. I wanted to ask you, dear Lisa, if there was possibly a chance to talk to you privately one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's Messenger or WhatsApp or maybe Skype. Of course, if you agree to it and have the time. If you would agree and find the time to talk to me privately, where can I find you, dear? If you would agree to show off and talk to me privately somewhere alone, I would be very happy and that would be my dream come true. Could you please reply to me, dear, here via email? I can't follow your podcast on Twitter. I greet you, Lisa. Warm kisses from your big fan in Poland, Jared. 
Well, you can listen to a podcast anywhere. So obviously I'm not emailing back, but my Skype and my one-on-one time is for my friends because like anyone in any business, we cannot work 24-7. With the amount of followers that I have that would want to talk to me one-on-one, I would be working 24-7. I would have no time for my friends, no time to taste wine, no time to read books. I don't do one-on-one engagements. And I think the best way to explain it, the words that I use the most are, I am an entertainer of the masses. I am not a one-on-one person. I'm an entertainer of the masses. When I got to the industry, we shot our product. It went out there and then we went out, we feature danced, we did all of our events and we never had, we never had anyone ask us. The one-on-one thing is very different because of the internet, because more people are believing that more communication that's real is happening on the internet. But really, we should all be going out with our friends in person, like I mentioned earlier. We should all be doing face-to-face stuff. And we shouldn't be so needy that we feel talking to one person virtually is going to make our dreams come true. You got to have bigger dreams. Your dreams should not be to speak to somebody on the internet. Your dreams should be maybe to travel the world. Maybe it's to go and get floor seats through Ticket Rev uh, for a next game. Your dreams got to be bigger than being wrapped up in another person. That's just unrealistic. So that won't be happening. Two more emails to go here. Told you I was really bottom barrel emails, but we got a good one. Subject matter is expansion football team. Hi, Lisa Ann. I just wanted to start by saying that I love all the work that you do. You show everything that you show everyone that we can be anything we want in life. And I'm a very proud fan of yours. My question for you is that I've been hearing the NFL talk about expansion teams. Is there any talks of one of them being in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma? Any information that you can provide is much appreciated. Thank you. Your number one fan, Monty. So, Monty, I have not heard anything about Oklahoma. I think the expansion teams are going to be focused on opening up more games in Europe. I know we'll be doing, I think it's four uh, more games next year. So it would be Germany. There was one game there this year, more games in London. So I think the expansion teams are going to be focused on the same amount of stadiums that we have here in the U S but utilizing the stadiums in Europe. And so with, with more stadiums, if there was a possibility of teams, I think it's just going to shift through that. Who knows if one day there'll be a home NFL team that isn't just the Jacksonville Jaguars in London, or maybe there would be one in Germany. And then those players would come over to the U S to play a couple of games a year. So I don't see more growth in the U S but wishful thinking will get us a lot. So let's see how that goes. We got one more email here and the subject matter is wrestling. Hi, Lisa Ann. Would you ever consider covering NCAA wrestling in some sorts of your sports reviews? I've listened to some of your other sports analysis and pretty impressed with your content. I would love to hear you dissect the top 10 NCAA D1 college programs. Well, the reason that you're impressed with my content is because I stay in my lane. You can only cover so many sports and be good at them. I do try to add in some UFC. I do try to add in some golf, but football is the main sport in the United States. Then there would be basketball, then it'd be baseball, then it'd be hockey. So I stay in that because there's only so many listening hours I have a day to gather content. You've got to go onto different newswires and read different things. 
So there's a lot that goes into providing good analysis on the radio or on my YouTube lives on Sunday mornings. So for me, I, w- I wouldn't be good at it because it's not something I'm passionate about. It's not something that's well I'm well-versed at. It's also not something that's widely talked about. We talk about the things that drive the numbers, the things that sell. Sports betting, of course, number one sport bet on is always going to be the NFL. So I'll stay in my lane. I'd love that you love wrestling, and I wish I could help you on that. Um, I did have Ben Askren on the podcast here a couple of weeks ago who started out as a wrestler, so that's probably how that came up. But I'm going to keep doing what I do that I think I'm good at, uh, hopefully can always get better at. You can watch me every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. during the football season. I do a YouTube live where I help everyone set their fantasy football lineups. I'm so excited that this Sunday I get to be home doing it because it's not as easy on the road. At home, I set up two computers so I can be going back and forth when I'm answering questions. I write out the weather report. I print out the schedule. Like It's just so much more comfortable at home to do it, but that is every Sunday, Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on my YouTube channel. I premiere each episode, each week of my podcast. So you'll get 8 p.m. and I'll be able to be in the chat. I wasn't there last week because of Exotica. I wasn't there the following week because of something else. Uh, The travel schedule has been crazy. So I will be sure. I was thinking it was Tahoe. Yeah, it was vacation, Thanksgiving. So I will be there this Friday night, Friday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time on my YouTube channel and Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern time on my YouTube channel, which is just like all of my other social media, the real Lisa Ann. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. All the real Lisa Ann. Don't fall for imposters. I'd like to thank my guest today, Mira Miranda, for being such a great story to just hear what she has overcome, her drive, and now we get to follow her music. I'd like to thank my sponsors, Ultra Farm RX, as well as TicketRev.com. And I would like to thank you again for listening to me, for making the Lisa Ann experience part of your listening experience. If you miss some of these episodes, the holidays are a great time to kick back and catch up on what you missed. Rate, review, subscribe, all of that goodness. And thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Lisa Ann Experience.